You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. What up, Go Detroit? Hello, world. And welcome to another listening episode of the Detroit Bicycle Podcast. As always, as co-hosts, the three of us here today, Mr. Uh, Bobby Brown. Hello, hello, everyone. What's up, Bobby? What's up, Bruno? What's going on, man? Bruno hey. on the mic. Hey, what's up? What's up, Henry Ford? Hey, yes, and my name is Henry Ford II, and of course, our engineer Ryan is in the house as well. Hello. On the show today, I mean... Again, excitement is just electric in this room. It's fire. Today's show. Um, Truly hello world. Yeah, yeah hello it's, world. It's a real hello world. And uh, this is our first phone-in guest. And uh, listeners, you will completely understand once you figure out who this is. Well, we'll tell you, but. Right. Uh, this gentleman is a homeboy. Grew up in uh, Detroit metro area. Uh, he wound up moving to the city proper. In 2011, and became a 100% bike tourist and commuter. Um, I'll let him get into some of the bigger detail stories and the biggest story as to why we have him on today. But let me introduce to you Mr. Chris Hag. Hello, Chris. Thanks, guys. Hey, how's it going? Good, um, good, good. Great to be here. Well, yeah. Welcome. I think that's that's the best introduction I've ever had. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. We're Thanks. humble. <laughs> so just to lay the table, let's set the table for everybody. Chris is calling us pretty much near the Guatemalan border. Is this correct? Yeah, I'm in San Cristobal de las Casas in Mexico. I think I'm less than 100 miles from Guatemala right now. Less wow. than 100 miles from Guatemala. Wow. Now, ladies and gentlemen listening, he got there on a bike, and he started back in July of last year, I believe, in Alaska. And he and his wife, Sophie, are traveling by bike from Alaska all the way south to Argentina. And that's amazing, man. That is yeah, that is. <laughs> I mean, Alaska to Argentina, twenty thousand, and you're currently about how many in now? Uh, miles, I want to say we're seven or eight thousand in, something like that. Wow, well, that's yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, um, you. currently you're you're doing this, uh, really simply. I mean, let's 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 start from actually where. I first found out about you, and that was on your trip around uh, Lake Michigan. This was in 2013. Is that correct? Yeah. How, how did that, first of all, come yeah. about? Um, well, I guess it, it sort of started with just kind of getting back into bike culture around that um, or I guess maybe getting into bike culture for the first time around 2011, 2012, you know, I, I hadn't really rode a bike much since I was 15 or 16 years old. And then I moved into the city and I just kind of got, it's just easier to ride a bike. So I, I sure. uh, started doing that more often. And then 
I, I guess I'm the kind of person, you know, I, I, I get into something and, you know, I ride, I ride my bike three miles to, to go downtown. And then I'm like, Oh, maybe I should ride my bike to Hamtramck. And then I'm mm-hmm. riding my bike to Ann Arbor. And then, and then I'm riding my bike, you know, across the state and around Lake Michigan <laughs> and back to Detroit. <laughs> it, just, it, it all just seems like a natural evolution to me. Right on. And then I guess Lake Michigan just wasn't enough. You and your wife decided to do something, I guess, bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually, we, uh, we had moved out West, um, a few years ago, we were living in Utah for a couple of years and we, at, at some point, a, a little over a year ago, we just decided that we, we kind of had, uh, we, we had enough of Utah, um, hmm. and we were trying to figure out what the next thing was mm-hmm. and couldn't really decide on what exactly we wanted to do or where we wanted to go. So we, uh, we kind of just decided, Hey, let's go, let's go travel for a couple of years. And, um, and I've ever since I got into bike touring, I've um, I've kind of been enamored with this idea of riding from Alaska to Argentina. It's sort of an iconic, um, it's, a, it's an iconic tour. So as soon as we started talking about that, that was that was the first thing that came to mind for me. Was you know let's let's ship it up to Alaska. And <laughs> I, 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 what uh, what. What are the logistics that have to go into this? Like, how many? Like, when? How far out did you have to start planning? I mean, you could, you know, you you could jump on your bike tomorrow and just start riding. (laughs) 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 I mean, the the beauty of it is, you know, it's it's a bike. I mean, I think the beauty of it is the simplicity. I mean, that's really true. Yeah. The reality is that you know you've got uh, you've got life issues that you have to deal with. Right. So, sure. with us, you know, we had to, we had to sell things. We, we still own our place in Detroit. So we had to make sure like cool. that, that was, um, rented and that we had everything in line in terms of if we had a, if we had a problem back there that came up while we're somewhere like here, how are we going to deal with that? Um, and, um, and honestly, the most complicated thing was that we have a dog. And we had to find somebody that was willing to watch the dog for two years. As far as the life stuff goes, like, I guess it's whatever it is that's in the way of you being able to walk away for, for that period of time. And I think that's probably something that's different for everybody. And I think for us, we've, we're the type of people that I think like traveling is always on my mind. So I, I, I kind of joke that like, my bag's always packed. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. And I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm always ready to go. That's the so mindset, I, right? For me, yeah, I think yeah, that right. I kind of structured my life in a way that, and, and for so too, I think we just structured our lives in a way that, um, that we'd be able to, um, you know, we can pull anchor at any time. <laughs> now, you've allotted yourself two years, or did you even give yourself a timetable? Uh, you know, we're we're saying two years, and that's. I think it's a good period of time in terms of we don't need to rush. Um, but also we're not like just kind of sitting around for too long either in, in one place, you know, we kind of, 
as long as we keep moving every now and then we can, we can take a couple of weeks off and enjoy, mm. um, enjoy a place if nice. we really like it. Um, but, uh, but you know what I didn't think about when we first started was that two years from July puts us hitting Argentina, which is, you know, the bottom of Argentina is just as far south as the top of Alaska is north. Oh, wow. So it puts us there in the middle of their winter. <laughs> so, um, so I'm not, I'm not sure how that's going to go yet. We might end up having to ride in circles in Ecuador uh, for a month to or two. Slow down or speed up. <laughs> no, no, no. You, so you said you just threw your uh, bikes on a plane and shot them out to Alaska. What, what, uh, like, what was your packs like? What did you, what was your initial, uh, bike look like? What did it weigh? And what are some of the things that you had to, you initially thought about carrying? Yeah. So, um, and, and actually we took a, uh, we took a boat from Washington to Alaska. Oh, so wow. We flew to Seattle and then they've got a, um, there's a ferry that runs between Washington and Alaska. So we ended up, we ended up doing that to get there and we shipped the bike separately. Okay. Um, but our bikes were a lot heavier then. <laughs> um, <laughs> you learn, you learn pretty quick when you're doing this that, um, uh, I'd say probably within the first Actually, I know it was, it was within four days. I want to say I, sh- I shipped 10 pounds at least of gear back to the, huh. um, uh, back home. Um, and at, at the same time, I think, you know, we were pretty, we were pretty well prepared. Um, we, we both, you know, we've toured a little bit before. So, you know, we just had a couple, uh, you, you have a couple shirts, you got a, a pair of riding shorts, um, you know, it's 2019, so you got to have your Kindle and your laptop and sure. your phone and, um, and, a, and a spare battery for those things mm-hmm. and solar chargers and everything like that. But um, from looking at other people, we're we're kind of middle of the pack, I think, as far as we're not, we don't have a ton of weight on our bikes. We're also not, I wouldn't call us ultralight by any means, gotcha. but, um, you know, front and rear panniers, mm-hmm. um, on both of our bikes. And I also had on mine, um, I carried all of our food. So on top of my rear panniers, um, in Alaska, I had a bear canister, um, which we had to put all of our food in. And basically it's, um, you know, it, it's just a, a big cylindrical container that mm-hmm. a bear can't open with its oh, paws. Oh yeah. You, you definitely have to use those in bear right. country, man. And okay. Hang your food up. Right. Yeah, right. I've been there, man. I'm with you, Chris. And a little bear spray never yeah. hurt. <laughs> All right. So, Oh yeah. And we did have, we did have bear spray on our bike. Oh yeah, for sure. Too. Yeah. Like, right. I had mine mounted right on my handlebar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they are not there for the games, man. Mm-hmm. Now. Okay. No. So, so we got an idea of your pack. Um, when you set off, did you have a route planned? I mean, did you have stops in mind? And, you know, that leads me into uh, your blog, actually. You have to plan out where you're going to eat and where you're going to relieve yourself. And, and, and I think for the people out there uh, that are curious about your story and your journey, they can follow along by your blog. And your blog name oh. is the places, the places IP. IP. Com. <laughs> so tell us about that. I mean, not necessarily locations and, of where you've 
But how do you plan your stops? And you know, you're going to take a road. Are you going to take a greenway? Are you going to take? Uh, yeah. How do you uh, did you how do you plan all that? So how about um, I'll start with the general route planning. Um, we knew that we were going to start in Alaska, and we knew that we were going to finish in Argentina, <laughs> and we figured we we decide on everything else on the in between. Wow. Nice. Um, <laughs> well, but so here's, here's the thing though, too. So if you look at, uh, you look at the map of Alaska, um, there's only, um, there's only like two roads. <laughs> um, so, so, and actually I remember in, I was in Tucson, Arizona and I met a professional cyclist there and I'm not into like the, the pro cycling world at all, but mm-hmm. I, I have a, I have a friend who is, and I stopped by his bike shop and I ended up speaking to one of his friends who had just done a race the weekend before. And she was telling me about like the whole turn by turn of this race that she'd been on. And she's like, and then at turn 27, you have to do this. this, this." (laughs) And I, I started, I started thinking back to me, actually, no, it was, it was turn number 10 that she said, because I remember thinking, what was turn number 10 for me <laughs> on this trip? And I don't think our wow. tenth, literally the 10th road that we were on was like 2000 miles wow. into the trip oh, because wow. we started in Homer, Alaska and it's like one road to Anchorage and then it's one road to Denali national park. And oh, then it's like one road for another 600 miles <laughs> and then you turn right turn right when you get to Canada. Oh, um, and then, and then you turn right when you get to the Cassiar highway, like (laughs) two or 300 miles later in the Yukon. And that'll pretty much take you back to the state. Nice. Uh, (laughs) So that part was pretty um, easy. So we didn't, so we didn't have to plan a route for the first two months. I mean, we just, we just knew it was, it was really more like, um, at some point this week, in, in seven days, we're going to hit another road and then we're going to turn. <laughs> and that was it. Just make sure you don't miss that road. Wow. That's amazing. My goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. And that, as far as uh, accommodations or sustenance, how does that work into play? Um, it changes everywhere you go. So in, in Alaska, uh, you know, it's, it's huge. It's wide open. You can camp anywhere i mean the the main concerns with camping there are just bears pretty much Mm -hmm. um and in generally like it's not really something you need to be super concerned of i mean you're you'll see them there but it's just it's really not that big of a deal Mm -hmm. i think and then um accommodation well and the other thing is everything in alaska is really expensive so how hotels Mm. and stuff like that if if you want to get, um, if you want to pay for a place to stay up there, you're going to pay like two or three times what you would, um, in the lower 48 Gee, for like okay. a really, really terrible room. Right. Um, just a roof so, and a door. So generally, and, and it's just because they're so far from everything, yeah, right? It's like yeah. the toilet breaks, you got to go like six hours to get another one. So people just kind of let their like houses and everything limp along mm-hmm. up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then and similar throughout the Yukon and in Canada, the, the interesting thing in both of those places is that um, you can go 250 miles between gas stations, which are the only places to buy food. Mm. Um, 
Wow. So, so you might ride, you know, with the, with the terrain and the wind and everything sure. up there, you could ride for four or five days without food. So sometimes we would be carrying and it's a pain because you have to stick it all in this stupid mm-hmm. bear container. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, right. so it's like, I'm, I'm carrying rice and almonds and like maybe some dried soup, um, five days. Just, worth. just a bare minimum. Um, packed in. Yeah. And, um, and then when you get to, you know, when you get to the lower 48, things start to get a little bit closer together. Sure. Although you go through the deserts in, uh, Oregon, California, Nevada, Utah, and, um, and Arizona, and you might have to carry water for mm-hmm. two days. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's a whole other challenge. We had one day in, in Nevada where, um, we, we had, Oh man, this is terrible. Um, so we stopped for lunch and we had this whole plan for the day about how we were going to filter water at this lake. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that I had service on my phone. I didn't have service on my phone most of that day. And I, I start looking at this lake and then I see, I I read that it's, um, uh, that it's salt water. Mm. So it's undrinkable. And then just as I read that, I heard, like she's like rustling in her bag and she's like oh shoot and something in her bag had punctured her uh, water bladder so we're in the middle of the desert and in in like literally within 15 seconds we just read that our planned water source for the day was undrinkable and and we burst a uh like lost half of our water for the day um did so that, that was traumatic. Did that hold you uh, up or did you push forward? Did you go back to get fresh water? What'd you do? Um, we, we kept moving forward and actually we, we got lucky. Uh, we were on this desert road in the middle of a, um, in the middle of an Indian reservation out there. Like nobody ever drives down it. And, um, one car drove by that day huh. and, uh, and this couple had, um, uh, had some extra water on them. So wow. they gave us enough water that we could get to where we had planned on camping that mm-hmm. day. And then, um, which was on this lake in Nevada, this saltwater lake. And then apparently it turned out that that day was the opening of fishing season. <laughs> <laughs> so, <they were> like, <laughs> so on this otherwise like totally deserted chunk of land, um, it was, it was like Bonnaroo. Um, oh, wow. there were like hundreds of people camped out on the side of it. Oh and, my God. Uh, <laughs> and, and when you, when you roll up into a situation like that on, sure. on a hundred pound bike, everybody looks at you, you know, it's like they turn their head sideways and they're all like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> um, and, uh, and then, and then you, and then you tell them and everybody's like, well, shoot, come over for a beer, come over for dinner. Right, <laughs> you guys need right. water. We got water. Nice. Um, so, a plate of fish. Yeah, yeah for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and then food in Mexico has been super easy. Like towns are thirty kilometers apart. Um, mm-hmm. Every day, there's just tons of food here. That's that's never been an issue. Okay, so pretty much the the struggles were in the deserts and in barren country where it wasn't very populated. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are the toughest spots, I think, when it's either if it's when it's really, yeah, really 
just long stretches where you can't resupply. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the elements can play a part, too, you know, when you've got the, the heat, extreme heat or extreme cold. Sure. What, uh, Chris, this is Bobby, what were some of the misconceptions, you know, some of the things you, you thought about might be this way, but now that you're on the trip, they're not that way or, or vice versa? Um, you, you know what shocked me in, in the States was uh, the hospitality that people offer. Hmm. Um, com- comparatively, I sort of think that the U.S. is, um, I, don't, I don't know what the word is, not, not shy, but just maybe, maybe suspicious. Mm. Um, and, and, and so I, it never occurred to me that people would see me at a gas station and, and say, you know, ask me about what, what we're doing and say, you know, if you want to come into my house and sleep in our spare room Mm. for a day or three, um, and then cook you dinner and, and like take you take you out to to breakfast and stuff like I, I never expected that uh, kind of hospitality. So they're, um, they're still hope in humanity and, uh, around, around right. the country. That's good to hear. Say that again. There's still hope in humanity around the country. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and and, and I, I don't know what it is. I, I think there's something special about traveling on a bike where you're just you know you're not perceived as any kind of a threat. I think, and and people automatically have a certain interest in you, um, and uh, and in you know the other thing that it was, I want to say it was shocking because I, I've been to Mexico a couple times before, so but um, but it, it's still I guess it still surprises me either way is how um, how amazing a Mexico Mexico is in terms of the the people, how beautiful the cities are, um, how just sort of uh, quiet and, uh, um, maybe quiet's not the right word because it, it's a loud country in terms of it's like, there's always music or something <laughs> like around the corner. Sure. But in terms of, you know, you, you hear all these things in the States about, you know, the, the crime and all these other things mm-hmm. in Mexico and, um, and people here are so unbelievably friendly and in, in, in a lot of ways, it always surprises me how much more like, United States, Mexico is than uh, than than it is different. No kidding. Um, and you know, it's, it's yeah. That, that's always just kind of amazing to me because sometimes I just find myself thinking about you know the things that the things that you read in the paper or see on on TV or that or that people say, and then and then I kind of look back at what my experience has been here and how how different. Um, how different that is. Sure. Uh, Chris, this is Bruno. Um, I'd like to uh, uh, talk to you about uh, the, 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 the message that you're, you're really sending out to people, which is uh, how bikes can be a sustainable uh, mode of transportation. Um, if you could help us out with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, for me, um, one of the reasons I started, uh, I, I started as a commuter and, um, and you know, it's, it's, it's morphed into this other thing, but, um, I, I think that I just, I, I think that life is better on a bike. Um, for one, I think that, you Agreed. know, our, our, yeah. our I, cities I, when, 
Sorry, say that again. I, I think we all do. I yeah, mean, we're, like, yeah, we're, we're all in agreement, man. Like, <laughs> there's just something special about yeah. like you're more in touch with the with the ground and the and the atmosphere and the, the surrounding the sights and sounds of a place. Yeah, and and you know what? And being being in a country with towns right now that are um, 500 years old and mm. so not designed for cars, it's it, it's amazing to think about how if if we designed a world um, for bikes or, 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 you know, or for walking, or just, you know, just for non-vehicular transportation mm -hmm. um, for me, how much more attractive those towns are. Um, and then at the same time, you know, I, I think a lot of people, a lot of people are intimidated by, by getting on a bike, um, you know, whether it's riding in traffic or because you don't think that you're in, good enough shape for it um and you know i think some people uh some people have said to us you know i could never i could never do a trip like that because i'm not in good enough shape and, and i always say well you know you do do five miles your first day and then yep. you do six miles your second day and you yeah, know it might take and, you a couple months but eventually yeah. like right. you're gonna you'll you'll be doing 50 to 100 miles a day and um you know you you get in shape yep. um we didn't we didn't train to uh to do this ride we just started slow and mm -hmm. uh, as we got into better shape we started riding more um so yeah i hope that i hope that people look at it and and even if it's just whatever it is like if it, if it puts somebody on on a bike um you know for the first time or maybe for or for more time than they would have then that's that's some kind of a, a victory I think um, we could have said it better ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to do. That's too, what we're man. trying to yeah. do. We're trying to just, get just one right. more person out yeah. there. But let, let people know there's right. a lot Let's, more than just you know pedaling. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, there was. I read a quote from you. And you were talking about how um, uh, you had transitioned from being a little kid on a bike, and then you got your first set of keys. And that's a theme that, we, you know, we all our guests, we talk about, like, mm -hmm. what brought you back to cycling. Um, and, you know, it's apparent to you, you know, to us that, you know, your love of, love of uh, the bicycle and the, the way, the, the mode of transportation is evident. Uh, I really did appreciate that. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. Now, you said yeah. that your conditioning got better. The more you rode, what would you say your average uh, mileage is per day? You're feeling good, and you you got a you got a tailwind behind you. How many oh, miles? Oh man, are you doing? If, I, if I had a if I had a tailwind behind, me. <laughs> um, I I swear it doesn't it doesn't matter what direction you're going, and you never have a tailwind. You never do, right? right. <laughs> it's always uphill. Always. Um, so. It, 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 you know, it depends on a lot of things, right? The wind, the wind, the, the terrain and the temperature sure. are, are the main things, like uh, everything else equal in terms of how I'm feeling. Um, but, uh, when we were, when we were in the States and doing some of these longer stretches and it was flatter, mm -hmm. um, I'd say we had a, we had a, a couple stretches where we'd, we'd be averaging, um, 70 to 80 miles a day. Yeah, and that was through the mountains of Nevada. Like it's not flat. Um, but, but it's not the worst climbing in the world either. Whereas right now in Mexico, we might be more like 50 miles a day. Um, because, because Mexico is mountainous. Oh, and yeah, the other yeah, very high elevations. I had no idea how mountainous. <laughs> yeah. Mexico city, man. It's, uh, um, you know, yeah. 
and they don't build their roads the same way we do in the States either. Like in the States, you know, we like, and I don't know if it's because the terrain's different, but in the States, like even going through the mountains, you can get like a relatively straight and gradually climbing road. And in Mexico, you're just twisting and like, you know, going <laughs> on those hairpin turns with like a 20 or 30, 40% grade sometimes. Oh, wow. um, so it, it's, it's brutal Whoa. riding some days out here. Um, and then you get it, you know, you get a 90 degree day and 90% humidity yeah, when you're doing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it tears you up. Did you have to do any vaccinations for this trip at all, or was that just we'll see what we when we get there? <laughs> oh no, I got I got all the vaccinations. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have like a uh, I have like a biological armor to uh, all kinds of infectious diseases wow. now. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> but but actually, I still uh, I, I still had some problems. What you can't what you can't protect from is like getting like parasites. Mm, um, so right. like, like bacterial parasites in your intestines. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess we haven't, we haven't gotten into the, uh, uh, into our namesake yet. Um, as far as talking about the places we've peed and, and whatnot, <laughs> maybe that's a good segue. Into it. Sure, please. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the bowel, the bowel parasites are real and, um, and they're, like they're terrible. Uh, I've had it. I've, I've been fighting it on and off for like the last five months. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and 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 to ride through it, right? Yeah, because you're not you're not taking a modium for that, man. That is not what that's oh. for. Wow. No, in, in your you know you're 30 miles into a 60 mile day. It's you know mm -hmm. you're climbing. You're crazy mountains it's hot it's humid all the pressure. And, and then all of a sudden uh, it's like somebody just grabbed your stomach and twisted it uh, um <laughs> and you're on the bike and you're just like oh geez yeah uh, and uh and then you know you you look at the you look at the map you're weighing all your options <laughs> you know where where am I? When when can I get to a, a town or you get that a mine right toilet to or, a, yeah. or or a shrub that I can hide behind? <laughs> Power right. through it, man. <laughs> now, um, so you mentioned the conditions, the weather, the terrain. Any other predators that uh, you have to deal with? Uh mm. Nah, you know, I mean, there's scorpions, <laughs> um, and and you know, it's it, it's a weird thing. I, I don't speak Spanish very well, so it's tough to really talk about these things um, with mm. with the locals. Um, but people, you know, people will warn you about certain areas with you know with with crime or cartel sure. activity and stuff mm. like that down here, and. Um, I mean, honestly, I've ridden, I've ridden like straight through some of those areas a couple of times, mm -hmm. and um, and for the most part, I mean, I've I've only felt like incredibly welcoming people. I mean, oh. I, I'd say that you're you're kind of a peculiar thing for them. Ah, I got you. It's like where, like, what is this? What's this American dude? Like, <laughs> He's local. Right yeah, um, but you know, I've, 
in terms of people, um, I've never felt threatened mm-hmm. here. Um, oh, well, you know, I, one, one thing, and this was in the States though, uh, cars, I guess we haven't talked about cars. No. <laughs> um, and I know any, anybody that, that cycles on the road, um, with any kind of traffic, uh, knows what that can be like. But, um, well, the, the worst drivers I think that uh, I've, um, that I've ever encountered are, um, RV drivers in, uh, in the Southwest. Oh, They're oh terrible. Wow. <laughs> um, and like they're they're seriously out to kill you. I think um, <laughs> in that was, Breaking uh, Bad joint, yeah. <laughs> trying to run you over in the Breaking oh, Bad. Oh, man. oh my gosh! Yeah, maybe they just can't um, see. So right. we had a few scary moments with cars. Okay. Um, and 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 that being said, Mexico City is an amazingly frightening place. Not because anybody has any like malice towards you as a cyclist, but because it's just so busy. So busy. Um, All right. That. Like in, in terms of like city riding goes, that was some of the like the craziest like mm. moments of my life okay. um, riding through there. You're like dodging like all kinds of obstacles, and and the and the rules on the road there aren't really. Um, I would say that they're more fluid than they are. <laughs> like, like, like a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, you you go you go down those roads knowing that somebody might just put it in reverse the wrong way oh, on a wow. one way. Okay. And uh, you just have to be ready for all that. Wow. My goodness. Oh man, the stories I bet you can tell. Um all right, just before we conclude and get to our five rapid fire questions i want to give you just a few moments just to go ahead and explain to our listeners your blog theplacesip.com and tell us what we would find on that and how to follow you and so forth yeah so um you already mentioned the 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 website there and i guess it it started out as sort of thinking that it was going to be maybe more of a something to help people with like logistics, you know, if they wanted to plan their own tour. And I did put a lot of that information up there Mm -hmm. as we were going through our planning process. Um, And so, you know, you can kind of see how we chose gear and why and, and things like that. But then actually like, as you get, once you start riding, there's not, I don't know that there's a whole lot of uh, advice to to really give, certainly not enough to write about every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't want it to be, to sort of become one of those, like, you know, one of those blogs where it was like, oh, you know, today we rode up a hill and it was <laughs> right. difficult. And, sure. then, and then we made canned beans. <laughs> um, Again. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I... I started, uh, I, I try to, I try to tell entertaining, fun stories and, and, and be thoughtful about it. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of maybe share a little bit more about what's, what's going on, uh, in, in our heads as we have, uh, as we go through this, uh, adventure. And the name came from, um, I, I guess I, I came up with the name, but it was inspired by, uh, Sophie, my wife. And um, we always joked when we lived in Utah that before living out west, we didn't, we we never realized that we only really went to the bathroom in the bathroom. 
Um, and then all of a sudden we moved out. Apparently, Miss St. Patty's Day. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're spending all of our time like in Zion National Park, oh. you know, hiking and climbing and and biking and in all these beautiful places. And and all of a sudden, you know, like when when you're out there, you got to go to the bathroom. You just you, know, you just go, go find a bush and, right. and you do it. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, it's like you're 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 taking a leak on. Uh, on the edge of a cliff and there's like a, a falcon swooping down and like grabbing a mouse off the ground in front of you or something like that. And you're like, wow, I really I pee in some cool places. <laughs> right on. So thank you, uh, Chris, for uh, joining us. And before we let you go, uh, this is our very first phone in five question rapid fire section. Right. So uh, you're setting a precedence here, so uh, yeah. get ready. You ready? All right. All right. I'm ready. First question. Um, what's your first bike? Well, describe your first bike. I don't bike. remember the brand, but I remember that my parents took me to Toys R Us to buy this, like, orange um, – it was like a, it was some like bright the orange Jeffrey with like bike? black speckled paint. It was the Jeffrey bike. <laughs> yeah, the Jeffrey joint. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure it was a Huffy. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. Nice. All right. Now, I mean, from a guy who's putting in many thousands of miles, uh, what's your favorite ride? Um, can I do two? Go ahead. Go for it. Uh, Denali Highway in Alaska, um, oh. just outside Denali National Park. I think it's I think it's a better ride than the national park. Um, the like less less rules and things like that, and just as beautiful. Okay. Um, it's about 135 miles of um, of dirt, and then um, the uh, Espinazo del Diablo in Sinaloa, Mexico. Um, it's uh, it's the craziest mountain road i've ever been on and so so spectacularly beautiful and uh and pretty much no cars on that road because they built a highway a couple years ago oh. and all the traffic goes on there now nice. so it's yeah it's incredible okay. and you you get you get camping views at like something like ten thousand feet um above sea level just wow. overlooking like all of the uh, sierra madres oh my goodness wow yeah yeah. So, um, you know, you briefly mentioned on um, your return to cycling, uh, and I guess uh, that brought you back is uh, because you moved to the city and you wanted to be a commuter. Why don't you just elaborate real briefly on that? What brought you back to riding? Yeah, it was it was moving to Detroit. Um, all, I guess living in the suburbs, you don't. Say, there's not much of a point to cycle like as a commuter in, in most places in the burbs because everything is so spread out. And mm -hmm. then, um, and then, yeah, moving, moving to Detroit and I think seeing, seeing everybody else riding their bike, um, to, to different places around the city. And then also realizing that it was easier most of the time than driving. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then of course, just a much more pleasant way to get from A to B as well. There you go. Uh, so I think just, just living in, in an urban environment kind of pulled me into it. Nice. Uh, describe your favorite Detroit flavor. And that could be oh, man. Uh, Joe Lewis. It can be anything. 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 Food, music. Yeah. 
a vibe? Yeah. Uh, um, I think, you know, like Detroit's kind of got its own soul. And one of, one of my favorite things is like, there's Detroit's got its own lingo. Um, I think my favorite saying in Detroit is all right now. All right, all right now. now. <laughs> <laughs> what up, though? <laughs> all right now. Nice. Nice. And, and if you, if you say hello to somebody anywhere in the U S and they respond with all right now, they're from Detroit. <laughs> you know, they're from Detroit. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Nice. Nice. And, uh, lastly, uh, what's your one wish for the city of Detroit? I think, I think that as the um, as the city continues to grow and as people move back to it, I hope that um, I hope that Detroit keeps that sort of uh, that funkiness that makes it special. Sure, um, at least it makes it special to me. Maybe that's maybe that's a, a selfish way of looking at it, but I think that you know it's uh, it's important for the city to remember like what it is and, and for people that come to the city to learn about, about what makes it a special place for, you know, for people that have been there for, for decades. And, and I guess, and, and to me, I guess I would say that that's, you know, it's, it's the people that make it a special place and no uh, making sure that um, making sure that it continues to be a place that, they can uh, maybe express themselves in a way that makes it unique to all these other cities. Simply Detroit, man. Well put. Yeah. Wow, Chris. My goodness, man. <laughs> that was amazing, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, thanks for uh, reaching out. Thanks for joining us. The stories are amazing. Um, I hope everyone listening uh, checks out the your web blog and follows along with your, all your social media as well. Hey, uh, we look forward to uh, yeah. running into you when you, when you get back, you get back For in the sure. States, look us up, man. Please do. We'll, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'd love to have you actually in yeah, the studio. And, and if you guys want to do uh you know, if you guys want to do a live show from Ecuador or something, you know, come <laughs> all, out. Right, all right, man. That'd be great. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Let's go. <Nice. laughs> Well, again, thanks, Chris. Thank you, Uh, you, Chris. Much appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Continue to uh, enjoy your trip and safe travels, man. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks Uh, again. Absolute pleasure to be here with you. Thanks. Take care. All right, Bruno. I mean, (laughs) the man of the street. Dude, I was out. We appreciate you doing all what you do, rolling like you do. Hey, it's the greatest job ever. And I think... uh, this week, I'm blown away. I'm just yeah, so hey, excited to hear this. I, it's a it's a local legend, uh, and to be honest, man, um, the literature that I wrote uh, read about him before he, uh, the interview, um, the guy might really be more famous in Europe than he is here in the states, wow. or in the city. Um, and of course, I'm talking about uh, Mr. Dabble. Um, Dabble, uh, he got mad at me for calling him Mister. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know, now you know. Um, <laughs> He's at the corner of the Grands, the Grand Boulevard and Grand River, um, just east of Northwestern High School or just west of North Northwestern High School. Uh, he's got an installation art museum uh, and an African bead museum there that's um, 
one of a kind. One of a kind. I mean, it's it's not like anything you've ever seen before. Fantastic. And man. so um, I sat down with him for a good hour, and uh, this would be the good parts. Nice. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. All right. I'm uh, very proud to even be invited into the Dabble Museum with uh, Mr. Dabble. How you doing, young man? I'm fine. Hey, it's great to it's great to have you in the uh, to, to have you invite me in. Uh, what an amazing place, man! Mm-hmm. And uh, from what I read, this really began with uh, a bead collection. Is that true? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I started uh, collecting bees in the early 80s. Nice. The city of Detroit at that time was having festivals downtown Hart Plaza. And those festivals dealt with the six or seven cultures that were in the city at the time. The Polish, Mexican, uh, Arab, the African, the Caribbean festival. So those festivals brought in international bee dealers. Okay. And a lot of those dealers were from Africa and they brought bees and other things. The bees got my attention because uh, they embodied the history of the people. They were never used just for adornment. They communicated specific information about the individual, his status, his initiation, his rites of passage, a particular culture. So that fascinated me because I had worked with the Charles A. Wright Museum for 15 years as the artist in residence and curator and so my sense of culture was well, well refined, and I knew that there were very few things in this country that African people could claim as being out of their paradigm, their culture, their, their philosophy, and their way of doing things. And I, here I had these bees that were specifically dealing with things out of the, uh, the paradigm of Africa, so I decided that I would open the bead museum, which was easier said than done. First, I didn't have no money. <laughs> and second, uh, if you don't have money, most ideas are put on the shelf. But there was a lady named Artie Riddick who owned this property. I tried to buy the property for her own land contract. Uh, she almost knocked me down when I said uh, land contract. She didn't want to hear that. But I had explained to her what I wanted to do. So she just went off on me. She really pissed me off. <laughs> so I showed my anger by saying, why don't you just give me the buildings then? So that kind of caught off God, you know. That's not something that <laughs> you say to someone in retail. He said, no, you're a nut. I'm gone out. But she called me back the next day and said, what if I gave you that property on a handshake that you would promise to do what you said you was going to do? So I said, yes, I'll do that. I was going to do that anyway. Yeah. So keeping my word is not going to be difficult. Exactly. But there was a, a, a generation different. She was probably in her 80s and I was probably in my 30s. So she came from a time when the handshake was the most important thing. Absolutely. So she gave me the property. I set out to build the museum. The first thing I ran into is that in 1989, the city of Detroit was preparing to go belly up because they were preparing to file bankruptcy. 
and most of the people who had the way ways of leaving the city had left. Right. So there was no Yeah, way. if you could leave, you left. Yeah. Right. So, but here I was with all these ideals on museum, procedure, museum. Uh, Display. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do here? Said, you know what? Forget about being controlled by an entity that uh, really has nothing to do with what I want to do here. Separate yourself. Yeah. Because the goal was to move to the community to make these bees readily available based on the living styles of people in the community, which they do not prepare to go to the museums. So it was open 24-7, except for the, this area here. So people would just come here at their own leisure and, and enjoy the place. And it was such an eye shock to the curiosity would bring them here, just to look around. Absolutely. I, I, as we talked about, it's an amazing uh, delight to the eyes. I mean, there's your eyes go from one exciting thing to the next exciting thing, like a like a uh, four year old on coffee and, and ADD. Yes. Yeah. And I had discovered that uh, learning has not always been based on a European model. Well, 20 people would sit in front of one teacher and that teacher would... They would just spit out knowledge and hopefully the kids would... They would hit them in the face yeah. and they would get it, yeah. And there were things that were emphasizes that that are not being used today that when you look at something, there are some other things going on. It's communicating with you on all kinds of subliminal levels. So you don't necessarily need to be told what it is. Your subconscious will make sense out of it uh, based on the information that is already in it. So I said, okay, well, that takes away a great burden if I don't have to put captions on it. Right. right. And I don't have to space things. And, and, and people's minds can fill those in, exactly. fill in those gaps. And so it worked. And besides, this was not the museum that you're looking at now. This was the sale gallery. But what I had forgotten was that most of the bees in here that you're surrounded by are two to three hundred years old, and some are even older. Wow. And people can sense things that are old. It's just people just come in and say, oh, man, this stuff is old. Right. It's nice. Right. So I said, okay. And it does make you wonder, like, like what is the history of this bee? Like, yeah. you know, what story could this bee tell me? And in that case, there... Um, I was when I was, you know, doing the research. Uh, it, it dawned on me that these bees are, in many ways, more like seeds. Yeah. You know, seeds to an idea, seeds yeah. to uh, a culture, seeds to um, your own self-reflection. Yeah, yeah. It is. A, it's it's quite amazing. And so around uh, 2003, somewhere along in there, there were some other things that were happening that I didn't really associate with what was going on here. One, that the internet was trying to figure out ways to uh, promote itself. The, the cameras were trying to do more than just have you communicate uh, by sending images. And the people with the phone wanted to do more than just have you talk. Right, so the, the marriage was made. The marriage was made. And then this guy who invented Facebook, he had a different kind of platform for it. So they went commercial with that platform. They went public with it. Right. Allowing people other than in college to have access to that platform. And there were some other groups out there that were trying to do some things. I remember email was pretty much doing everything that it's not doing anymore. 
Correct. Uh, there's a different uh, platform took part of it. Uh, the video took part. The social media took part. Instagram came in and, and made everything instant. Now, people had these devices that they didn't know what to do with. And here was something sitting over here just looked different than anything else in the city. So they came and snapping pictures, sending those pictures back to Europe. Most of the people that were coming here at that time were visitors from other countries. Correct. Everyone yeah. else just got the message. They ain't going in. That's nothing in the city of Detroit. Yeah. Um, through the literature, like, and we've talked, you know, yeah. um, about how famous this place is um, outside of the United States, outside of the Detroit environments, um, and the number of visitors that have come here from and, 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 and interviewed you from Germany and France and England and parts of Africa and Asia, um, it's, it's amazing um, the, 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 the difference between um, notoriety. Yeah. You know, like you're less known here in Detroit, exactly. unfortunately, than you are internationally. Which makes sense. People in the city, if you grow up around something, you don't even pay it in. You become you become sort of uh, numb to it. Yeah. That's okay. How long has it been over here? I drive down Grand River every day. I said we've been here about twenty years for real. <laughs> How come I'm just not noticing? Right. Like all the mirrors and the, yeah. the shiny. Yeah. That, but it worked out in the right order of things because the people who were coming here on vacation was sending these images back home and those people become, began to come here. And these mainly older Europeans who had a history of when their cultures included bees. Because these bees in here have been worn by people for some of their lifetime. So you got three, four hundred years of information just sitting here in these bees that communicate with us. We've been told that it's not, but in reality, when people come in and say, oh man, I can feel the energy, it's nice, and that's that's what they're saying to me, these items are communicating with them. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to rely on that, forget about this foolishness about putting captions on stuff, right. and I'm going to build the installation out there, and most people, at least in the ballpark when they go out there and look, they feel like something is being taught, something is being communicated to them. They may not ever realize what it is. Right, they're being changed somehow. Exactly. Whether consciously or subconsciously, there's a change taking place. Exactly. Yeah. And people come here literally from all over the world, man. You get about, what, 35000 a year? Yeah. That's uh, a lot. Probably more than that now because that's 96 Expressway out there. You can see that African language wall back there and the heads of most of the installations out there. And the state said 400,000 people travel up and down that okay. express. So we're getting a lot of people. I didn't even realize you could see the, the installation from the expressway. Because the design, when I set out to build this thing, it was just for curb appeal. Get the people going up and down Grand River right. to see it. That, that was the modest goal had no idea that the world would take notice of this place. It, it, I can't even tell you the cost of billing, but it's right. competing with some of the major buildings in this city for tourist attractions. Yeah, for popularity. Yeah. You know who told me <laughs> this was a tourist attraction? The state of Michigan. Oh, they, they came to you and they said... Uh, yeah. I said, how would you know this is a tourist attraction? 
No, he called it destination point. Oh. I said, how would you know that? He said, well, look around, you dabbles. They're not coming to the store next door and then coming here. Right. They're coming here. To and be here. Yeah, and now itinerary, when they search, see, Google, they gather what people search for. Now, Google came here a few years back. I didn't realize. They said, you know, you get a lot of requests. What we want to do is do a virtual reality of this place. This was long before they made it available to the rest of the community, businesses and things. So we had a virtual reality store around 2005. Again, none of this stuff is it's, it's ringing any bells because I said, okay, well. Fine, right. Yeah, so they came out driving the cameras up and down the streets. Uh, zero satellite. Walk through the walk through the installations. Yeah. So I said, okay, uh, not knowing exactly. All right. So um, there are eighteen outdoor installations, if I'm yeah. not correct. The uh, sculpture garden. Yes. Um, there is the actual museum that we're in right now. Yeah. Um, and then above this are some townhouses, and that's where your art gallery is about to be done. Yes. And you're working on that. Yeah. The, the uh, Kresge Foundation gave us a $25,000 grant based on the art that I had found. That was a great boost. We was able to pay off all our bills and actually jumpstart doing some of the work around here. Right. And then the Knights people came to town. Right, the Knights Foundation. Yeah, what we want. We said, okay, we need $100,000 to put a roof on the building. Knowing that they was going to reject us, but they said, okay. <laughs> so we have the, the roof on the three buildings, which uh, there was a lot of structure damage, so it cost a lot more. And we did a fundraiser with Passanicity, which is a, a, an agency financed by Michigan government uh, to do a fundraising. Whatever we raised, they would match it. Okay, and you can find that on, uh, again, on your on your website yeah. at mbad.com. And we need about $150,000 to finish the building. There's a building on the corner where the roof has fallen to the basement, so that meant it took three floors out. Wow. Uh, we're going to uh, start on it next, but we will be opening the end unit uh, we've had a, uh, about a $98,000 renovation. So now we will have a place for common use where people can rent a space or we have exhibits. In fact, we, our first exhibit would be a, a, a partnership with Cranbrook. Now imagine that. A little museum in the community is, is, is partnering, with, partnering with one of the major uh, producers of young artists on this planet. Right. To do an exhibit here—that's that's a testament to their the, gravi- the gravity of this place. Exactly, uh, and but we still need some funding. We we're putting up another installation, which was debuted in Harmony Park. It was a collab a collaboration between uh, Dan Gilbert, the city of Detroit, and a couple of uh, architects from U of M. Uh, it was only supposed to have been up there for one month. It stayed five months. Now we're going to have it on this site, and it was called Nine Nice Outfit. Now what's significant about that is the first major installation downtown Detroit that's dealing with uh, 
the history of Africa, symbolism based on Africa. All of that is, is unique to the city of Detroit. In fact, this place is unique to the city of Detroit. You have a museum here with an African name that's uh, talking about things out of Africa. So we have placed ourselves in a position of being a whole lot of first and pioneering because we chose to focus on the culture of African people, which was lacking in, in the, the city. city. Um, one last thing I really would like to get to before, uh, before we... Uh, finalize or, or end this thing, wrap this up. I know that you're uh, really committed to youth programs. Yeah. Could you speak to that, please? Yeah, uh, youth is just as important as older people, so we have to expose them to stuff that will trigger them to their creativity. Music. And we don't have to do nine-month studies, just expose them to things. Right. And their brain... Let their hands... Let their hands... Exactly. So that's why... Uh, the emphasis is placed on having the youth uh, come here. And I'm not saying we have to do anything with them, but just to come here. If you can imagine, we are getting excited as adults about what's going on. A child really could, that, that could act as a path. Right, this is just a catalyst for yeah. them to launch them into who it, knows what. Yeah, it doesn't have to be all right. It, it will just stimulate them to say, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, and that's missing in the communities is to have the stuff readily available. And you're bringing that back. Exactly. With the, with the renovations upstairs and all that, with the and townhouses. The, the proof is in the pudding. If you may not notice, this place is out in the open. Right. There are very few things in the city of value that's out in the open. Right. You can come here 24-7. Uh, it means that the community has embraced it. Yeah. yeah. There's not, right, There's people aren't coming and tagging over right. your work. No. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, I really just want to, again, personally, I would like to personally thank you for uh, giving me your time. You're um, welcome, man. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just awestruck. Yeah, just being in your presence is kind of awestruck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and for the community, I really would like to, on behalf of you know my community, we'd like to thank you as You're well. Welcome, and we man. really do appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. The, the things is that they don't bother it. Yeah, right. That's, that's the greatest thing on earth. <laughs> Nobody is coming by here tan stuff up. Right, right, right. That's 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 like the real proof that that, yeah. that, that, that that's the validation. Yeah. You know, it doesn't come from newspaper articles or from because those newspaper articles are being written all over the world. Right. Um, it's your community that respects exactly, and that's that that it all started in the community first. It, it started here and it just folded out. Yeah, right. Uh, and you can tell that, like, this is really you're doing your thing, and people are catching up to you. Yeah. It's not your you're definitely not adjusting how you do you right. uh, to meet somebody's uh, personal agenda for you, and that and that that's the authenticity that 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 people feel. And I have to give a thanks out to this city, its inspectors, its administrators. They've allowed me to prove that this place is is valid to the interest of people. Right. right. That, you, that, you, that, you, that you're filling a, a need in the, in the community. Yeah. Again, thank you very much. Please come on down. Um, I don't even know what to tell you. If you haven't been here, yeah. um, you're missing out. Again, thank you, Mr. Davils. Just Davils, man. Davils. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed the uh, that episode of, uh, you know. It's fascinating, man. We, yeah. we ride by there. We hang out there all the yeah, time. Right? I never knew the history. And right. It's crazy. Um, shopping it up with all kind of shops. Yeah. And people. yeah you know what? Um, I, like I said, man, uh, 
what I'd like to do to bring back to the city is just let let us let us know about ourselves. That's like it. that self awareness. Like because there's so much beautiful stuff going on yep. in the city right now. Yep. So great job. Yeah. Thanks. Well, folks, that brings us to our three things. And with our guest, Chris, that we had on, who's traveling from Alaska to Argentina, our three things this week are going to be what would be our, like, dream bike tour trip? Dream. Like, we're not planning this. No, 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 not today, you know. I mean. (laughs) The ultimate bike trip. Yeah, the ultimate bike trip. The ultimate bike trip. So, Henry, you want to lead us off? Sure. Um I think many of uh, you on Facebook should have seen that are into cycling, obviously, should have seen the post of the route that takes you across the country, coast to coast. I think it was like 2,200 miles. I think uh, that's the first time it's connected bikeways, and I'd like to uh, give that one a whirl. All right. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Crossing the country. Hey, Crossing hey, the country, hey, yeah. Bruno, Bruno, what you got for you it? Got? Uh, you know, um, I, I gotta, I, I gotta go with the Silk Road, man. I gotta just oh. the history of the Silk Road. I gotta go Vienna to Beijing. Ooh. I mean, if you if you had a chance to, you know, if you were just given the opportunity to ride and ride, ride, ride wherever you'd want to go, I, I think I think that would be, be I, that would be the one. All the, all those cultures. You know, all the different environments sure. and, and the history of, of that route. All the mountains. Uh, all, yeah. Couple of, couple of, couple of, <laughs> <laughs> and some deserts in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that might be the one. Nice. Bobby, Bobby what's Bobby, up? Uh, for me, you know, hey, we're going to go back to the motherland, Africa. Yeah. I would love to do, uh, uh, Cairo to Cape Town, you know, just travel mm. down to the, the, the east side. Right. Of, of Africa and, and see, see it all, you know. Just, right. You cross you, all the environments that yes. way. Yeah. yeah. You, you catch all of them. Different, different landscapes, you know, um, the people, obviously, you know, it would be amazing. And, you know, bring some bear spray to fight off a lion or two here <laughs> with my bare hands. You know, that'd be cool too. You know, that'd be cool. But no, if, if, if I could definitely, you know, that would be the, the ultimate. Bike trip, start up top and work my way down. Yeah, that would that would be money. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, do you think two years would be enough? Nah, man. That's you know, that's probably. Nah, I'm gonna need more than two years. Yeah. I want to see it all. I'm gonna hang out. I'm hanging out. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that might be the way to go. Like, I don't. That might be the not he's talking about doing, trip. He, He's yeah, talking about yeah. doing 70 miles. <laughs> My car overheats at 70 miles. What do you think I'm going to do? <laughs> no, nah, I'm hanging out, man. I'm hanging out. Take my time. But right. no, the, the, yeah, the, the east side, Africa, Cairo to Cape Town, I think would be pretty sweet. Yeah. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Our three of our three things segment is our ultimate bike tour. Hey, uh, I got. Can I put something out there? Yeah, go I for know it. we haven't really talked about this, and you know, in our pre-production stuff. But like, um, if you contact us with your favorite thing, your favorite route, your dream route, uh, we might sit down and pick the best one, and uh, maybe throw you a, a something. A what up though? Yeah, throw you a what up though or you something. Know. Like give you a shout out on the on the airwaves or something. Yeah, just let us know what you let think. us let us know what your routes would be because right, yeah, sure. you know. Y'all know where to reach us. Y'all can hit us, Detroit by Cycle, B-Y-C-Y-C-L-E, y'all, on the grams, the Twitters, the Gmails, all of it. Leave us leave us your ultimate bike tour. 
Yeah, that'd be interesting to see what other people come up with. You know? Yeah, oh yeah. Hey, if it's, if, it's, if it's to the store and back, you know, let us know. <laughs> you know, hey, I'm you know I'm not maybe doing a, twenty maybe thousand. A, maybe your bike's do... got a flat. Maybe yeah, that's, yeah, maybe yeah. that maybe that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, what an episode! Wow. Thanks again for tuning in. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you, Bruno, for Thank joining y'all. us. Thanks Thank for having y'all. us. Chris Hag, the place's IP. Go check him out. Go show support. And for those that didn't know, now you do. This is Detroit Bicycle. We're all about the love, benefit, art, culture, events, food, and the people we meet on bikes from the Detroit area and beyond.